served with hoorah. You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's bad with money with Gabby. Done. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's Bad With Money mailbag episode. I'm Gabby Dunn. This is a show about finances and feelings where we don't talk down to you. Quick question. Did you check out this week's episode about employers paying for employees' tuitions with Patricia Roberts from giftofcollege.com and my sister-in-law, Amber DeChambeau, who joined the Navy in order to pay for medical school? If you didn't, you should. Amber and I have a lot of fun. My mom just texted me and said she loved the episode. And Patricia introduces a lot of information new to the show. So I'm very excited about that episode. That's an episode I've wanted to do for a long time. Came out on Wednesday. Go back and listen to it. Today's mailbag is going to be a fun one because we are going to talk about, well, first of all, a lot of stuff. But the fun part is going to be a John Wick post I found on Reddit because I love those movies. I love Keanu Reeves. I've never felt that a character's motivations in a film made more sense than John Wick's do in the first movie. Um, I won't spoil it, but for those of you that know, you know. And I hope it will bring you joy as well because it was such a, you'll just, you'll hear it. It's a great post. Anyway, we're also going to talk about the Omicron variant and the stock market. That's less exciting. And then in the second half of the show, I'm going to read one of your emails about LGBT protections for employees. And then finally, I will read your Discord comments and list our new patrons. First, the Omicron variant, we all know, is a new variant of COVID-19 that has sprung up. Basically, every article on the internet has been about how it will affect the stock market, which is dystopian in its own right. But as someone who is new to the stock market and who has become hyper fixated on it, I am closely monitoring how the markets are affected by this. Also, this is my first time really caring about the stock market as someone who actually has money in it. So I've never actually really experienced the volatility of the stock market because I've never had any stocks. So now I finally have some stocks. And I'm keeping track of the ways in which the stock market is affected by various news. For example, the arrival of the Omicron variant. I experienced a slump for the first time, right? So there's a New York Times article called, With Omicron's Arrival, Stocks Will Again Hang on Headlines. And basically, you know, the more the media pushes how dangerous this is and speculates on whether existing vaccines will be effective the more that share prices experience, as this article says, a bumpy ride. So now the thing is, is that ultimately you're supposed to be in the stock market for the long game, at least most people who aren't experts. And so if a stock drops, the idea is that you would keep it and you would buy stocks that historically are on the rise and that you would not be scared by overnight drops in stocks, and you would also not be taken in by overnight rises in stocks. Unfortunately, as I've said many times, I am emotionally invested in my stock market (laughs) journey. I have to apparently get rid of my emotions. That's what all the white, straight, cis men telling me about the stock market have said. It's hard not to panic. It's really hard not to panic. Obviously, at the end of the day, you can look at what's happened in the stock market. And, you know, as this New York Times article puts it, panicky slides. So it is. It's hard not to panic. And these are sort of unprecedented times. I mean, 
Nobody knew what was going to happen with COVID in March of 2020, so nobody could predict what was going to go on with the markets. So the advice that I've been seeing is similar to the advice that people were giving in like March of 2020, where it was like, you should buy up stocks that are hospitality stocks. So Disney, you know, in case the parks close again, or airline stocks in case, you know, flying becomes dangerous again. It's all incredibly insidious, actually, because (laughs) you're making money off things closing and things being bad. So I don't know. I am curious as to how this will be similar to when the Delta variant came out and when COVID started. There's been a lot more, obviously, volatility in the last couple years. I'm a complete newbie. So I'm not giving you advice. I'm just bringing you what I've been reading and the headlines. And if you're interested, you can read for yourself. Honestly, until I put money in the stock market and then also started hyperfixating on it, which may or may not be healthy for me, I couldn't have been bothered to read any of this. I really, <laughs> truly felt lost and did not care. But also, here's the other thing, is that Is it healthy to be this obsessed? Is it healthy to every day look at it rise and fall? No, absolutely not. But here we are. So that's the news on the stock market and the Omicron variant. And honestly, my personal unhealthy current fixation on the stock market. If you have any advice on how not to do that, I would love to hear it. In the meantime, I'll be discussing it in therapy. Our next story is slightly less harrowing and slightly less personally destructive. We are going to talk about this post on Reddit by Mugwump, M-U-G-W-U-M-P, that was posted two days ago in a subreddit called r slash movies. And I want to give this person total credit because this post is amazing. So thank you to Mugwump. You are a genius. So this person posted talking about the economics of the world of John Wick. And the TLDR that they posted says, all goods and services are free. But access costs 100% loyalty. Debts are unique, non-transferable, and are potentially worth everything the debtor owns, but are also limited in ways they are not in our world. I will put a link to this article in the description because you should really read all of it. I'll just give you some highlights. But basically in the world of John Wick, they're assassins. There's a hotel called the Continental where the assassins hang out. And I'm not going to be able to explain the whole world. There's three whole movies of it. Just watch them. They're incredible. Also, Keanu Reeves is the best. My favorite Keanu movie, by the way, is Point Break. That's just a recommendation for me. The world of economics in Point Break, I think, pretty much operates like our world. But they do rob banks in it. So there's a loose tie-in to Bad With Money. Okay, so basically, this person wrote, The question of how money works in the John Wick world has been asked a few times. And every time, they seem to miss the point entirely. Everyone seems to want to know how much coins are worth. What can one coin buy? That's the wrong way of looking at it. Another way of asking the question is, what do things in John Wick's world cost? That answer is a little easier. Everything is free. Not outside the world of the Continental, that's the hotel, of course, but everything within and everything related is free. That's an odd thing to say. We see John and others exchange coins for goods and services, but not directly. Sure, you might exchange a coin for a drink, but you get the impression that if you have one drink or at the bar all night, it's still a single coin. The coin doesn't buy you the drink, it buys access to the bar. You can't use a coin to directly buy anything, any more than Sir Elton John could trade his knighthood for a beer. I love that. I love the way that's written. 
So basically, this this person raised several questions. One, where does the Continental get all its products? The food, weapons, bedding must come from somewhere. That gives us a little bit of an insight into what the everyday economy is. And then also, because they're assassins, bounties are offered. Those are paid in dollars. So clearly, there's more than one type of currency that they work with. So there's a lot more written here, but basically, I'll read this one last part. So what is a coin worth? Loyalty. Loyalty to your boss. But we know people can change jobs. John starts out with one family, the Russian gang that also trains wrestlers and ballerinas, and transfers to another, the one he retires from. The most important loyalty is loyalty to the rules of this world. When John retires, he keeps all his coins. These allow him to re-enter without any questions asked. So what are the rules? No business on continental grounds on pain of death. Follow orders, and just as importantly, a marker must be repaid. Markers are the other part of the currency of this world. Whereas coins are completely interchangeable, markers are not. When someone needs a favor, a favor that is extremely difficult, costly, or important, they put their bloody thumbprint on a marker and give that to the person who will provide them with the favor. The persons keep the marker until such time as they demand the marker is repaid, in which case they mark it with their own bloody thumbprint and the debt is settled. It goes on and on and on, and it's just, like, truly incredible. And so then, of course, there's, like, a ton of comments of people adding their own thoughts to it, people describing, you know, what a closed economy is, do they pay taxes on these coins? I mean, it's just, like, amazing. So I'll link to that in the description. But I truly love discussions of the economies of fictional worlds. We did an episode of Bad With Money where my friend Garrick Bernard and I talked about the economics of Star Trek. We actually made that episode before I had ever seen a Star Trek episode. So uh, now I'm obviously like starting at the beginning of the pandemic. If you listen to my other show, JBU, you know that I have become a full Trekkie. And so now I would I actually haven't gone back and listened to that episode. I would love to do that. But basically now I completely understand the economics of the world of Star Trek. And it is just so interesting and so cool to think about how these fictional people, especially in science fiction, create money and economies. You know, the world of Harry Potter has its own economy. Lord of the Rings has its own economy. So yeah, maybe we'll talk more about that. If you are interested in that, or if you have thoughts on a franchise or something that you love the fictional economy of, write to me. I really want to know about more of them. Okay, after the break, we're going to read some Discord comments and read a corrections email from one of you about LGBTQ protections at work. Okay, we are back and I'm going to read some Discord comments. The Discord will be linked below, but you guys are really popping off in there and I really appreciate it. So this is a Discord comment from Sarah and it says, Love hearing about Gabby's investment journey. I feel like I've been through such a journey with investing. I used to put chunks of money into an index fund every so often because I felt like I should be investing, even though I didn't have any kind of strategy or goals or idea what I was doing. I'd always get spooked and take it all out after a while, whether the portfolio value was higher or lower than my original investment, because it felt like too much risk, especially during the Trump years when it felt like the world was always on the edge of collapsing. Oh my God, Sarah, I relate to this so hard. Okay, now I invest the same amount from every paycheck into index funds because I don't have the time or resources to learn more about stocks than the big investment firms do. So stock picking would just be gambling for me. I have most of my investments in the S&P 500 and a small amount in indices. I don't even know what that is. For industries that have nothing to do with my job because if my whole industry is in trouble, I don't want my investments to be in trouble too. Very smart. 
I only invest amounts that I feel okay not accessing for at least a few years, and the rest I have in savings, although I need to start looking into CDs or something now that inflation is going wild. Still on the journey, but this system helps me feel more confident that I'm doing something to grow my money without taking on too much risk. Also just want to note that I'm extremely privileged to have the means to do this at all. Oh my god, we just talked about this above in the segment where we talked about Omicron. Yes, I relate to this very hard. You know, I'm also now trying to learn about dividends and which companies pay dividends. Mostly it just involves me Googling, does this company pay dividends? And then figuring out when. Dividends are like, uh, they pay out the shareholders some money at different points in the year. I'm Again, I'm really at the beginning of this. So if you have a better way of explaining dividends, please let me know. This is a Discord comment from Monica. It says... I am just about to change jobs because my soon-to-be former employer has been trying to shove us back in the door since March. I was pregnant and not at all comfortable coming back to a cubicle farm environment. No one cared. My role wasn't even that different from user So Nerdy, who we read their experience in another mailbag episode about why your employer is making you come back to the office. So my role wasn't even that different from user So Nerdy. I worked in marketing for a college and was not student-facing at all. (sighs) This is a comment from Beck Beck Muffin, also on the Discord, and it says, I can't remember if you've done it already, but if you haven't, I'd love to see an episode about how expensive it is to be chronically ill, disabled, and neurodivergent. I'm both disabled and neurodivergent, as is my husband. That makes it incredibly hard to save money. More than just the cost of seeing doctors and getting meds, we often have to pay to function. We particularly struggle with the ADHD tax, like trading in a car for less because we won't have the attention span to sell it ourselves, or paying someone to clean our apartment because we can't consistently deep clean. We couldn't get over the hump to get a leaky tire looked at until it went totally flat and had to be replaced instead of just patching the hole. We also have to spend a lot of money when we have low spoon days due to our disabilities. Low spoon days are days where you don't have a lot of energy. You can look up spoonies if you have more questions about how that relates to disabled people. That's just aside from me. Back to Beck Beck Muffin. (laughs) Sometimes neither of us can cook for several days, so we spend a lot of money on takeout. Because our conditions are so inconsistent, there's no knowing when we'll have to spend more than usual or for how long. It makes it really difficult to save with any consistency. Not to even mention how incredibly unhelpful disability benefits are. The amount is straight up not livable, and people who rely on it cannot get married without losing their benefits. If you're too disabled to work, you're essentially forced into poverty. It's frustrating sometimes how little stuff like this is considered when we talk about personal finance. Yes, we did an episode all about autism and ADHD and money. We also did an episode with Carrie Wade about disability and money. That was like in season one. Yes, ADHD has come up a few times on the show as well as autism, as well as physical disabilities. This is probably hugely relatable to my audience, so thank you. This is a comment from Quill. It says, I love today's episode. Both times I've met with a financial planner and they asked me to define my short, medium, long-term money goals. I was like, question mark, question mark, question mark, not question mark, lose money, question mark, question mark. I don't know, stocks, question mark. Pretend I can retire in some mythical future, question mark, question mark, question mark. Paula is the first person I've heard explain how to think about figuring out those goals. Yes, the episode with Paula Pant about setting goals was amazing. So thank you, Quill, for liking that episode. If you haven't heard it, go listen to it. It's wonderful. Okay, one last comment from the Discord. Again, you guys are really popping off over there. I love it. I'm so happy to see these micro communities doing well. So this comment is from Not. It says, I'm very behind on all my pods. Forgive me, Gabby. 
but I recently listened to the episode on setting goals and it was truly a game changer for me. I've now got a spreadsheet set up listing out both my monthly and yearly expenses as well as my long-term financial plans. I feel so much better and more in control even though I'm just barely getting the ball rolling on things and I'm really excited to move forward from here. Yes! I love a spreadsheet. (laughs) Is that weird to say? I freaking love a spreadsheet. I'm so glad so many of you liked that episode. Yes, it's with Paula Pant and Francesca Ramsey. Go listen. I also want to give a shout out to new patrons on patreon.com slash Gabby Dunn. We have SC, Paul, and Sarah. Thank you, you three, for joining. And now I'm going to read an email from one of you about LGBTQ protections in the workplace. And then I'll let you get out of here and enjoy your weekend. This is an email from Allison. LGBTQ protections for employees. Hey, Gabby, I love your show. You mentioned in a recent email dump episode, Stock Market Bumps, so it's that episode, how some states let employers fire people for being queer. But last year, the Supreme Court ruled that queer people are protected by the Civil Rights Act. Here's an article about it. Supreme Court delivers major victory to LGBTQ employees. It's an NPR article. I'll link it below. So Allison continues, not that it's somehow a silver bullet that prevents discrimination, but it is at least illegal. Warmest regards, Allison. Yes, very good update. Thank you so much for including that. I was flippant in what I was talking about. So I appreciate any sort of correction email. So I would love to hear your thoughts, opinions, stories on all of these topics and any topic you think I should be covering. Be sure to send me an email at gabbyisbadwithmoney at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail at 844-474-4040. You can also email me a voice memo if you prefer. I know some of you have asked about doing that. I really do want to play those on the show. I know a few of you also message me privately to say that you have anxiety about your voice and you're insecure, but maybe try to get over it. I don't know. I think it could be cool. Be on the lookout for next week's episode all about multi-level marketing schemes and cults. We have the amazing Sarah Edmondson and her husband Nippy who are famous for their bravery on escaping Nexium, And then also Roberta Blevins who was in the Lula Rich documentary. Three incredible interviews. Honestly, I'd never had such a huge reaction to a guest coming on like I did to Sarah Edmondson. You guys are huge fans. And don't forget to listen to the show the day it drops so that we can get on the charts and spread the word. Okay, thanks. Bye. Done.